So today we would like to continue with the citta nupassana, mindfulness of mind, mind states. And it really has to do with the kind of question of with what kind of mind are you aware in this practice of being present, of attending to your experience? With what quality of mind are you here? Are you aware? How does the mind feel as you attend to your body, to Vedana, to sounds, whatever arises? As it says in the Satipatthana, one knows a mind with lust to be a mind with lust. One knows a mind without lust to be a mind without lust. One knows a mind with anger to be a mind with anger. Or one knows a mind without anger to be a mind without anger. One knows, knows a mind with delusion to be a mind with delusion. Or one knows a mind without delusion to be a mind without delusion. So just this clear recognition, what is the mind state? right now and it's not something that we have to do all the time but it's good to regularly check so what is the mind state it's just like looking into the mirror and getting a sense of how am i doing it's just um, having a clear sense of what is happening maybe like when we're driving and we have to keep an eye on how much gasoline do we still have? Uh, how is the temperature? Is the engine uh, okay? Or are there some strange sounds coming? So we always have to have a bit of broader awareness of what is going on. Sometimes we can be so obsessed with our object that we are not noticing that over there there is something much bigger happening. It's like when you just attend to one corner of, of a room and you're totally focused on just one aspect of this room and in the other corner maybe a fire is burning and you don't notice, yes? So we need a broad awareness that can include the mental state that knows what is happening. So there is an object, it could be the breath, it could be sensations in the body, but we also want to know what is the mind like in this um, attending, in this practice of mindfulness. So um, it's important to acknowledge when there are defilements in the mind, as they are called, when the mind is covered by, you could say, one of those big categories, you know, wanting... Um, desire for something, not wanting, aversion against something, or delusion. So when you find yourself wanting something to happen, waiting that finally something is going to happen, or thinking that it should just be a little bit more clear or a bit more concentrated or so, this is craving, it's desire. If you find yourself somehow resisting what is happening, not liking what is happening, aversion. Okay, this is aversion. It's so simple. And 
when you're not sure what is happening, then this is a clue. There is some delusion. Yeah, just not knowing what is happening or just being completely lost and distracted. That's also delusion. So, just checking regularly. Um, how am I meditating? With what inner attitude? With which mind state? Um, when our meditation becomes really tense and our body feels very contracted, this is usually a sign that the mind is somehow engaged in, that there is some aversion or craving going on. So just see, recognize when these three factors are around and try to be kind and relaxed about it. You know, smile at them. Don't go into a fight against them. Um, realizing also, you know, what Chris spoke about yesterday night so beautifully. Notice when there is this selfing around experience, um, this attaching a story to something that is hope going on, creating an identity around what is going on, this whole um, owning of experience. Last week, Christina brought this very nice analogy of this boulder. You know, when there is a big boulder, Achan Chah um, asked his student, what do you think, is this boulder heavy? And the student said, oh yes, indeed, it's very heavy. And Achan Chah said, not if you don't pick it up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the problem of identification. We take things and we make them our own and then they become so heavy. So if we don't pick them up, they are just there and they are not a problem. So also aversion, desire, delusion, if we don't make it our own, if we don't think, okay, now this means that I'm this kind of person, but can recognize these are just passing events in our mind stream, then they are not a problem. And then they will just you know, disappear again when the conditions disappear. Then in the same discourse also, you have heard, it also says that we should recognize when these defilements are not around. So it's equally important to see when there is no aversion, when there is no desire, when there is no delusion or much less. It's important to recognize when does the mind actually feel quite at ease, um, relaxed, spacious, open, light, free. So we can appreciate those moments, really savor those moments, even if they are just brief moments, appreciating, oh yes, right now, not so much aversion, it's actually peaceful, nice. And if we learn to appreciate those moments, then we become more familiar with them, the mind learns to settle more into them, and they grow. We nurture them by being mindful of those moments when there is no craving, no aversion, no delusion. Then also we can um, become aware, as it says in the 
Satipatthana, when the mind is great. This refers to the quality of the Brahma-viharas. You know, we've spoken about the Brahma-viharas being vast, boundless states. So we can also notice when the mind is vast and is filled with one of the Brahma-viharas, noticing, wow, the heart is open. There is a sense of compassion or of friendliness or of mudita or equanimity. We can notice when the mind is concentrated, collected, unified. How does it feel? Recognize it, feel it, explore it. Recognize when the mind is liberated, pretty free from defilements. So, um, yeah, really paying attention to the mind state. Then... um, also noticing how they change, these mind states, again, just uh, the impossibility of holding on to any mind state. They come, they go according to conditions. Um, so it's not our job to make them go away. Our job is to see them, to understand them, to recognize them. Um, not to identify with them. Yeah, so on our road to Nibbana, that we have a, a sense of, you know, the direction, the purpose, what are we doing here, that we have a sense of the whole context of the bigger picture, and within this, we do our practice again and again, coming back, you know, still using the anchor of the body, still being very grounded in our body, but with this broader perspective in which it is all held. Um, yeah, I think. So let's meditate. I would like to encourage you again to begin settling into your body. Establishing mindfulness of the body. Settling into this moment, the totality of this moment. And filling the body with awareness. being sensitive to the whole body and all sensations in the body. And maybe 
if that's helpful for you, using an anchor. And then during this practice, just see if from time to time you can check in with the mind. What is happening in the mind, in the meditating mind? Is there an awareness of the present moment experience? And how do you know you are aware? Is the mind peaceful or agitated? Not to make a judgment, but clearly recognizing what is happening. Is the mind interested in what is happening? or bored? Is there an experience of selfing? Is there identification going on with what is happening? Or is there not much selfing going on?
staying connected with experience, being in touch with it. And at the same time, from time to time, listening, sensing, what is the quality of the mind right now? Is it contracted or spacious? Agitated or calm? Is there a maybe even subtle wanting of something to happen? Or a resistance against that which is already here? Or is the mind simply nodding off, sleeping? lost in dullness. And simply recognizing is the first step so the mind can come back to balance, wakefulness. Practicing the ability to stay present without grasping at experience, without pushing it away, without spacing out.
as we deepen our contemplation of mental states, can be very helpful to bring awareness to what uh, Joseph Goldstein calls the about to moments. You know, about to get up from the seat to go to walk. Standing at the end of the walking path, about to start walking at the other end, about to turn. And this kind of, these about two moments where there's a kind of welling up of an intentionality or a kind of impulse, really can be really interesting to just, you know, pause, kind of feel that welling up, but then kind of take a breath and just inquire into what's the mental state right now out of which this intention is arising. Because it's very easy for intentions and impulses to be driven by mental states, rather like that image of the boats being blown by the wind. particularly when the mental state is colored by wanting, not wanting. And as as we pause and just sense into the mental state, it may be that there's a, uh, a sense of a certain kind of momentum there. And then just to inquire, okay, what's the body of this mental state? What's the the self-sense in the mental state? (laughs) To drop in the the reflection, oh, not me, not mine. Just mental state. And then to be really interested in, well, when, when do I start to move? <laughs> you know, when is there movement into the sitting? I mean, we could be sitting, uh, movement into the standing, you know, just kind of waiting, <laughs> feeling the impulses arise. And just to be curious about, well, when, when does the move take place? Or the movement from standing to walking? Or the movement from standing to turning? Just to... Be very curious about that. You know. To see the not-self nature of these intentions as well as they arise. Can, can there be a sense of intentionality without a kind of owning of that? Without it being me doing it somehow? And just to use the the ends of the walking path as kind of moments to check in with the mental state can really highlight the impermanence, as as Yuka was describing, just how changeable. You know, it can be a different mental state 
after just walking 10 paces. <laughs> you know? These reflections on impermanence, change, not self. As, as you're probably aware, these are, these are deepening of practice. And you might like to kind of have, have them as lenses during this day of practice that you kind of bring to the experience, say, of walking. You know, what is it to experience walking just as a flow of change where, where we let go even of perceptions of you know, lifting, moving, placing, those kind of vitakas that we spoke about at the start of the week and just have a sense of noticing change, changing sensations, you know, changing stream of mental experience. You know. Or that possibility of, of walking without there being a, a kind of big walker in the in, in there who's kind of making a project out of it. You know, not me, not mine, just walking. So, you know, part of what this, this, uh, the opportunity, having had these days on retreat, this is very precious to be in the kind of space that we're in right now. Very precious. <laughs> You know, this is a day really to make the most of practice, to let the, the mindfulness become more subtle still, you know, to, to, to value the pauses, the about to moments that help to kind of slow us down further and, and just inquire. What's, what's the, the mind, the mind of this moment? How is that? Can I practice releasing it from being me or mine? What effect does that have on the mental state when I notice, oh, not me, not mine? What effect does that have? So, Really uh, wishing you uh, a day of, of deepening and nourishment, the blessings of this practice. Quite a few in- interviews happening today. We, we wanted just to flag up the uh, request that um, we don't sign up for two individual interviews on the same day, uh, if that's okay. Because the silence and the stillness are also kind of precious and great resources as, as we um, cherish this day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.